Hi, I'm Craig. And I'm Linda. And this is the Indie Travel Podcast at IndieTravelPodcast.com. This is episode 327, and we're talking about our top 10 things to do in Austria. Yeah, Austria is a fantastic country and so often just kind of skipped over and, and missed out in European tours. We have just fallen in love with it. Yeah, it's a bit strange that we're here in Panama talking about Austria, but I don't know, I've just been thinking about it recently and I think it's a wonderful country and I think it deserves to be talked about. So that's why we're talking about it. Over the last few weeks we've been here in Panama, we've been checking out all sorts of interesting spiders that are <laughs> running around the property. Also, one of the uh, staff here ran into a poisonous snake the other day, uh, a fertilance. So it's, it's been an, an exciting time of outdoor creepy crawlies. Did we talk about the tarantula last week? I don't know if we did, but yeah, we had a, a tarantula decide that the underneath of my desk was a great place to hang out for a while, so that suspended all work for a little while. It was amazing. It was enormous. But I was surprised because we saw it and we were freaked out, obviously. But then after we stood around and looked at it for a while, I wasn't actually as scared as I thought I would be. And I learned that, you know, tarantula bites aren't actually that bad. So, you know, they look disgusting and scary and big and gross. But they're not as bad as you might think. Yeah, that's good news. That's good news. And then, yeah, we've got these uh, giant spiders that are making these intricate webs in the trees out the back of the house. And uh, I put a photo on Facebook and we identified it as a golden orb weaver, or what they call here an araña de oro. And it's a fascinating thing. It, it makes this web so complex and so strong that they're actually looking at synthesizing it to use in armored vehicles and bulletproof vests and things like that. And I've seen some photos after I started looking into it with like whole full-size birds being trapped in these webs. So I'm checking every day for some birds <laughs> trapped in our backyard now. And what's also really amazing about these spiders is that the females are enormous and the males are really small. So we saw in all of the webs there was a big spider and little spider and we thought it was like the mother and the baby. But no, it was the female and the male. Yeah, yeah, tiny little males. Now we have actually done a little bit of travel since we last spoke to you and that's the reason for this podcast coming out late. Last weekend, we had to do a border run to Costa Rica. Had to. I mean, it's a hard life. But it is actually quite a long way. So we looked into different options. We decided we really wanted to have a bit of time by the water instead of just crossing the border, staying overnight, and then coming back again. So we got up early in the morning, caught a bus, caught another bus, waited around for ages, managed to find a bus all the way to the border. That was really good. And then caught one more bus. And of course, when we arrived at the border, it was pelting down with rain, like really pelting. And the Panama-Costa Rica border is one of these ones where they don't really funnel you in. You can kind of walk freely between the countries if you want to. And you have to wander around and find the office to check out and then find the office to check into the country. And, of course, since that was the whole point of our trip, we really wanted to do that. So we could have just gone across and come back and not worried about any of the paperwork. But, yeah, we really had to do that. So we went to this little place called Golfito, which was nice, and stayed in Airbnb there. And that was a real stroke of luck because the owner uh, pointed out a couple of good places to eat and drink and also let us know about a Christmas in July party that was happening. So we went along to this local dive bar and there were, I don't know, about 40, 50 people all packed in there. And people had brought food along or you could pay a small cover charge. So for a couple of bucks, we had unlimited food all night and like different games and raffles and things like that going on. It was really cool. Yeah, and Craig won a pig. I did. Not a real pig, just a little plastic pig. But yeah. still, still, I got a, a pig. 
It's a money bank. And it actually had some money in it. And we forgot to empty it out before we left Costa Rica. So now we have these Costa Rican low-value coins. So it looks like we'll have to go back. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But at that party, it was also where we got invited to go and cruise across the bay to have lunch on an island the next day. And, you know, you know you're in Costa Rica when that happens. You also know you're in Costa Rica when you misestimate how long it will take to get to the marina and therefore miss the boat. <laughs> but it was okay. We missed the boat, but we walked back and we had access to some kayaks for, through our Airbnb. So we just kayaked across. And, of course, we're kayaking along. We're looking for the boat because we knew that everyone had gone across on this little boat. And we'd seen the boat leaving. So we're looking and looking and couldn't see it, couldn't see it. So we kept kayaking, kept kayaking, got somewhere, asked where where the bar was that we were aiming for. And the guy we spoke to said, oh, it's over there. And we'd, we'd missed it. We'd gone right past it. And when we finally arrived, everyone's going, oh, yeah, we saw you kayaking past. We thought, oh, look, that's them. They're coming. Oh, they're not coming. We're like, why didn't you shout? <laughs> but we got there in the end and had a few drinks and a really nice lunch. And, yeah, it was it was good. It was a really nice, relaxing weekend. Yeah, definitely put Golfit on the map as a place to go and just hang out for a couple of days and, and not do much, mm -hmm. you know? Maybe go fishing, maybe go hiking in the rainforest, maybe go kayaking across to a small bar on an island. Yeah. And that was that was perfect. It was a lovely place to be for a few days. Maybe get a haircut. It was yeah, hilarious. Yeah, get a haircut. Hey, yeah. hey, there you go. <laughs> we went to our friend's house for dinner on Friday, and they said, oh, look, Craig, you've got a haircut. Where did you go to get that done? <laughs> And we said Costa Rica. <laughs> so this week is all about Austria, and we've got some of our favorite things lined up. Did you see what I did there? Some of our favorite things? Oh, Craig. <laughs> we won't talk about that. We're trying not so, to talk about it. <laughs> number one is actually talking about Vienna, the capital, and one of the most beautiful cities in Europe. Some people don't like Vienna, and I really don't understand it. I love it. It's one of these beautiful, elegant, just gorgeous cities, wonderful to wander around. One winter we were working in Vienna, and Vienna is, well, the main central part of Vienna is within these these ring roads, and a lot of the most beautiful buildings are right in the middle of this, this ring. And we were staying on one side of this ring and, and working on the other. So to get there, we could either take two uh, underground trains or we could walk. And so Craig and I decided to walk because it was about 15 minutes to catch the train or 20 minutes to walk. And we thought we're going to walk. And I remember every day for two weeks, we walked across the center of the city. Sometimes it was snowing. Sometimes it was just snow sitting on the ground. Sometimes it was beautiful and clear. And I just felt so happy. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's this area called the Museums Quartier, which I always enjoy. And it's an area that's designed to be a cultural center. So there's these beautiful buildings and all of these, as you would have guessed, museums, uh, but also art galleries all around it. And so it's great fun, whether you want to go in and explore the amazing work that was happening in the 17th, 18th century, or you want to get something hyper-modern, or you want to go back and see uh, like the imperial apartments mm -hmm. uh, that uh, Sisi, one of the most famous empresses, kept up. And, you know, you can just do that kind of time travel all within about a one kilometer radius mm -hmm. so cool yeah one of my favorite things to do is to hop on a tram and go around the ring barn uh, which is that central area and you can see a lot of the main buildings just on this on this one tram you actually have to get off and get on because the tram doesn't go all the way around the ring which is kind of annoying but you can hop on and hop off and you know it's just the price of a regular public transport ticket which is really good also on the ring barn is the Bergkino, which is uh, it's on the Oppenring. Uh, open ring number 19. And 
at the Burkino, you can see The Third Man, which is one of our favorite uh, movies that are set in Vienna. How many movies do we know that are set in Vienna? Well, come on. <laughs> <laughs> now, The Third Man is a classic with that wonderful uh, cuckoo speech that was cuckoo clock speech that was completely apparently not in the script. It oh, really? just made up on the spot. And uh, it's become classic. Love it so much. One time we went and watched the movie while we were in Vienna. It's on three times a week at the cinema. And what's really fun is that you can just wander around the city and see some of the places where it was filmed. There are actually Third Man tours if you're interested in that as well. Yeah, it's quite interesting. We were I was looking at doing a Third Man tour because I studied film at university and, and Third Man was one of the movies that I watched and enjoyed. And yeah, I was thinking about doing this tour. And then after watching the movie there, just wandering around, I was like, oh... Uh-huh. Oh, that's there. And we ended up not doing the tour because although we didn't see everything, and I'm sure missed a whole lot of context, we did just kind of run into places mm -hmm. just from that visual memory of uh, of watching the film. A couple of other things we really love to do in Vienna. Number one is the Nashmarkt. Just a really nice market right near the center of town where you can get fresh fruit and vegetables. And we always go there to get Japanese food. Now, we do love Austrian food. It's great, but sometimes you want a bit of a change because it's very much pork and potatoes in Austria. So, yeah, we used to go there and have uh, sushi, which was really cool. And the other thing was the Schloss Schönbrunn, which is a big palace complex kind of on the outskirts of town. You have to catch uh, public transport to get there. But it's lovely just to walk around. There's a maze, beautiful gardens, beautiful palace, really nice. Yeah, great place to go for a day trip, take a picnic and, yeah, just hang out. We've never actually been inside the building itself. Mm -hmm. um, you can do tours and, and pay entry to go around. Uh, but from everything I've read and people I've talked to, it's another palace mm -hmm. that's kind of decorated and kind of designed in the same fashion as every other palace we've been and, to a lot of palaces yeah we have and so yeah so i've never felt the desire to go in but we love going out to the gardens and just hanging out there nice hot day sitting in the grass beautiful yeah i really love vienna although one time we did miss our flight we had this horrible experience where we were coming from a small town and i'd misread the train timetables and then there was a storm and if it had been one or the other we would have been fine but in this case it wasn't fine and so we got to the airport late and because we were still traveling with our big bags and we had lots of schnapps in our bags, we couldn't get on the flight. So we had an extra day in Vienna and we were like, oh, we've got to redeem this because we're feeling really awful. We've just lost a lot of money and a lot of time and ah. And so we decided to go on a street art tour, which was something that we'd never done. And we just kind of walked around. It was self-guided. We just walked around and took some photos and it was really awesome. Yeah, and that was a lot of fun. And I think that's something that a lot of people think about Vienna. They see it as this stuffy old city because they market the the museums. They they market the kind of Habsburg thing to death. And what a lot of people miss is seeing the the more edgy side of things, like the the rock, the rap, the concerts, the street art, mm -hmm. all of that life that goes on there can really get missed by people that are visiting because, you know, it's not in your face in the same way that some cities market their kind of youth culture. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on to point number two because I think we've talked about Vienna quite a lot. So point number two is to get around by train. Now, Austria is a wonderful country to get around by train in, and the trains are all wonderful, clean, usually on time if there isn't a big storm, and really great. 
Unfortunately, they can be quite expensive. So Austria is a really good country to use a URL pass in. If you're going to be traveling around Europe, uh, this is a great one to use your URL pass in because it works out to be good value for money. If you're going to be traveling around Austria quite a lot, just in, just in Austria, then there are lots of discount cards you can get on the Austria Rail Network website, which is oebb.at. One example is the Voitels card, which costs just 19 euros for people under 26 or 99 euros if you're older than that. And that gives you 50% off all of your train tickets in Austria for a whole year. Now, we used this before we turned 26, and it was absolutely amazing. But if you're going to be traveling around quite a lot, even for 99 euros, it's still pretty good because some of those tickets, if you're going all the way across the country, can cost up to 150 bucks. So, yeah, have a look at the ticket prices and then decide if it's going to be worth your while to get this ticket. You know, I think traveling around by train in Austria is where I really got into listening to podcasts and audiobooks for the first time. You'd be sitting and you'd be wanting to look out the window because you'd be following these river valleys with lush meadows on either side. There'd be like castles and fortresses and monasteries up on the hills. And, you know, in some areas you're up in the mountains and there's these snow-capped mountains all around. And, you know, it was just amazing to look out the window. It was it was like watching drone footage, but you're just sitting there <laughs> looking out the window. And it was really, really cool. So I'm like, what do I do with my mind? Because I normally read in a, a thing like this. I'm like, how do I keep my eyes facing out the window and my mind ticking over? And that's where I really started getting into podcasts and audiobooks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so worth it. One thing I really like about traveling by train in Austria is when you buy a ticket, you're not tied to one train. So if you want to, you can just get off the train and then get on the next one. And because there are lots of trains going by, that's usually worthwhile. I remember once we were staying in Innsbruck, and afterwards we have to go off to the far west of Austria to a town called Schuguns. And then while we're in Chiguns, we realized that we left our computer charger back in Innsbruck. And we're stressed out. We're like, oh my goodness, we really need this computer charger. We managed to get through the week in Chiguns without it, but we really needed to get it. So we were going to be going back to Vienna and the train passed through Innsbruck on the way. So we stopped. I stayed with the bags and Craig basically ran to the hostel. We had about, I think it was about 45 minutes between the one train and the next train. And he ran down, he got to the hostel and there was no one there and he's knocking on the door and asking, ah. and anyway, he managed to get it, ran back and got back on the train with like three minutes to spare. Yeah, it was a Jason Bourne moment <laughs> running after that train. Crazy. Well, talking about Innsbruck, I really love flying into Innsbruck because you're basically flying down this mountain valley, right? Innsbruck is this little, uh, little town, a uh, little city, I guess with mountains on either side. And so to fly in there, to get into the airport, you're basically flying in the rift between the two mountains. So as you start your descent, uh, you're, <laughs> you look out the window and there's a mountain top. And you look out the other window and you're halfway down that mountain. And you'd literally descend right through it. It's so cool. Yeah. I understand that the pilots that are qualified to, to go in there and get a special qualification. It's doing hours and hours in the sim, guiding these big planes through this really narrow mountain pass. Yeah, Innsbruck is a wonderful place. And in fact, going to Innsbruck is number three on our list. Ski or hike in Innsbruck. You can arrive by plane and we'd really recommend it, but you can also arrive by train or bus or whatever you like. We haven't gone skiing in Innsbruck, but we have done a couple of hikes there. And in fact, the, the local government puts on free hikes. So have a look on their, their website for information about that. You just have to meet a guide at a certain point 
It's only on the weekends, only in summer. And you're expected to buy something at one of the mountain houses where you stop. And I think that's definitely worthwhile because, you know, there are these mountain houses up on the mountains. They're selling food and drinks. And I mean, the food and drinks are really good. So just don't pack a, a meal. Instead, plan to, to buy your meal up there. Yeah, I think this was a really cool local tourism initiative because it obviously got the guides work, but it also took tourists up from the main city up into the the mountain where I would have liked to have gone by myself, but I wouldn't have been sure where I could go. I mean, there's lots of marked paths. You can just get up there and go. But I'd be wary of approaching the houses, whereas many of the houses are set up as winter huts. Yeah. And so during summer, they're really struggling for business and they're wanting you to come in. Yeah. And a lot of them actually have accommodation there. So it's designed for hikers to come and sleep there. I mean, it's very basic, but yeah, they can get a meal they can get a place to sleep and then keep going. So cool. Innsbruck has quite a lot to do if you're not an outdoors person, but really the reason to go there is to get up the mountain in summer or in winter. I remember when we first went there, it was one of the first places we went to when we were in Austria. And we showed up and there was a big festival going on. There were things going on. There was pizza for sale. There were music and everything. And there was an enormous Connect Four board. So we wandered around, had a look at what was going on. Craig said to me, what do you want to do tonight? And I said, I really want to play Connect Four. So we went back and we asked if we could play. And they said, yeah, yeah, have a go. But there's a competition starting, so you've only got half an hour. So we had a go. We're just playing. And eventually they came up to me and said, look, this competition, someone hasn't shown up. Do you want to play? And we'd been living in uh, England for the previous three months, and I discovered a latent talent for Connect Four. So I took part in this competition, and I actually won. And I won a phone, and I carried this phone with me for ages. But I'll always remember Innsbruck as the place where I won my phone. You know, I just mentioned going up to the mountain houses, up to the, the Alm, what are they called? Are Alm they just called Alm? Almhouse. Almhouse. I think. And, uh, yeah, and that's a great place to get some amazing food. But a place that's a bit more accessible if you're not up in the mountains is a Hoyrigger. And a Hoyrigger is uh, like a farm restaurant where I think the Hoyriggers are the ones where they're only licensed to sell cold cut meats from their own farm. And there's a couple of different specifications of farm restaurant. I can't remember exactly which is which, but all of them only sell locally produced food, normally cold cut meats and cheeses and pickles and uh, local wines as well. And it's my idea of heaven. It's beautiful. I'll always remember the time we went to Hoyrigger in St. Anarum Eigen. Now, St. Anarum Eigen is this tiny little town on a ridge. And we were there for work. We were teaching English in a local high school just for a week. And the problem was that there were only two restaurants in town. One closed at seven and one wasn't open on Mondays and Tuesdays. So we were fine on our first day, which was a Sunday. I think we went to the local restaurant. But then on the Monday, we didn't know what to do because we don't eat dinner before seven. And then we didn't realize that the other one was going to be closed. But we'd heard about this Hoyrigger. So it was completely dark because at seven o'clock in the middle of winter, Austria is, is pitch black. And this town had some street lights, but only along the ridge. And we had to, to get to the Hoyrigger, we had to go down these steps. I think it was about 100 steps down and then go through a vineyard find the road, turn right, and look for the lights of the Hoyrigger, which was a little bit out of town. So we had our torches with us, and we made our way down the steps, found our way through the vineyard, looked right, yes, there was a light, made our way to the light, we were shivering, it was really cold, opened the door, and this kind of burst of light and noise and heat came out of the, the Hoyrigger door. 
So we found a seat. Basically, the whole town was there. I think they were having their town meeting in one of the small rooms to the right, which we found a little corner and ordered some some wine and a, a yowza, I think it's called, mm. which was a plate of meat and cheese and pickles. And when it arrived, the look on Craig's face was just pure joy, absolute pure joy. He was just an absolute heaven. There wasn't a vegetable in sight. It's amazing. <laughs> No, I'd highly recommend eating uh, eating yowzers, brittle yowzers, other kinds of yowzers, and hoi riggers uh, right along the country. Yeah, I'd <laughs> recommend you go to one in a small town. We went to a couple in Vienna, and we weren't quite as impressed. It didn't seem quite as authentic to us. If you've got a car and can get to some of these really out-of-the-way places, or if you're going by train, find somewhere where there's a local hoi rigger and you'll really enjoy it. Since we're talking about St. Dana-Meigen, let's talk about Austria's wine, because I think a lot of people don't give much credence to Austrian wine or, or German wine as well, but they have some amazing cold climate wines there. Yeah, I mean, we, we've been to quite a lot of different places where they produce wine all around Austria, and St. Dana-Meigen was one of them. In addition to this crazy Heurige, they also had a Weinweg, which was a walk around all of the wineries of the area. Of course, the wineries were closed because it was winter, but it was a really nice hike. And what we could do was they had a Vinotech. So we went along to the Vinotech, and they do like wine tastings. I think you pay $5 for four tastes, something like that. And we found out that they were going to be having a big event on the Saturday. We were actually planning on leaving St. Dunham-Megan on the Friday. But then we thought, well, we'll stay an extra day. And it was the opening of their young wines. So it was this big event. It cost like three euros to attend, and you could drink as much as you liked. And uh, yeah, they had snacks for sale and things like that. And it was absolutely amazing. One of these really worthwhile experiences. It was so cool. But Sankt Anna-Meigen is a bit hard to get to, especially since the only transport that runs from nearby towns are the school buses that go in and out each day. It's a bit tough to get to if you don't have your own transport. But if you'd like to go and check out another wine region, uh, my next favorite would be Noisy Lamse. And it's a great place to go. You've got the lake there and all the kind of water sport activities you can do. But then there's vineyards all surrounding it as well. And there's a vinotech in the town. Mm -hmm. And you can also go out and visit many of the wineries around the place. So, yeah, if you're looking for somewhere accessible, Noisidalamse, beautiful. We were working at the local high school when we were there just for a week as well. And one of the courses that you could choose to do as a student was a wine course. So can you imagine going to high school and learning how to make wine? I thought that was so cool. That would be so awesome. You know it's close to the west of Austria, Italy. It is. It is. You can get from Austria into Milan, into Venice, really, really easily. And so if you're planning a trip around this area, connect them both up. And if you go to Italy and need some help with planning, today's sponsor can help you out. This episode of the Indie Travel Podcast is brought to you by Select Italy. Select Italy designs custom itineraries and books a whole range of products and services, including fascinating tours, romantic wedding and honeymoon trips, and ticketing services for museums and musical events in Italy. Visit selectitaly.com to learn more. You might have picked this up, but one of our favorite things about Italy and about Austria is heading into the countryside, going into the small towns where there aren't many people, and just seeing how unique life is out in the country. It's so different from our upbringing as city kids. Definitely. And out in the country, people really live close to nature. Several times we went out with local people and collected mushrooms or collected other wild plants and then went home and cooked them up, which was amazing. 
I think this is such an important part of thinking about, or how Austrians think about the countryside. So many people we met were so engaged with, oh, it's mushroom season soon. Oh, there's a, there's wild herbs down at this meadow. We'll go and pick them. And just, I don't know if they were doing it just because we were there, but it just really felt like part of everyday life was Saturday morning, we'll go for a hike and we'll go and forage. Yeah, one of my favorite places was uh, St. Martin and Mulkreis, where once again we were teaching English for a week, and we got on really well with two of the teachers. They said, come out with us, we'll go and pick mushrooms. So we went for a long walk, and we weren't originally planning to pick mushrooms, actually, but we, we saw one, and they said, oh, yeah, those ones are really good for cooking up, cook them up like a schnitzel. And then we kept walking, and we saw another one, and another one, and another one. And we said, well, why don't we pick them? And they said, yeah, okay, we'll pick them, and then we'll cook them for lunch on Friday. And we said, yes, <laughs> because that's the kind of thing you say yes to. So we had this wonderful walk through the forest, picked all these mushrooms, and then topped it off by going to a local brewery to buy lots of different beers to try, including I think there was a pumpkin beer, a granite beer. Oh, it was really good. I remember staying with a couple of friends of ours, Birgit and Felix, in Orthander Donau, which is just south of Vienna. And they said, you know what, it's it's Bierlauch season, which is like wild garlic, beer garlic, and, you know, we have to go in and get some. And so Linda and they disappeared for a couple of hours and came back with kilos and kilos of this wild garlic. It was impressive how much they were pulling out of pockets and bags and everything. We found a lot. And then we proceeded to make pesto from it, and it was so good. It was unlike any pesto I've ever had before. So delicious. Yeah, so spicy. Yum. You might have read or seen the movie uh, The Name of the Rose by Umberto Eco. It's filmed, if you go and see the movie, in the Monastery of Melk. And Melk is an amazing monastery. It's an example of when the church really put a lot of money into their architecture. And the library is something you just... <laughs> For geeks like us, that library is just amazing. Yeah, I think it's a really good example of a small town that's worth visiting in Austria. There are so many great places. I mean, Austria has the big cities. You've got Vienna, Salzburg, Innsbruck, heaps of different cities. But then you've got these small towns, medium-sized towns, and tiny towns that are really worth spending some time in, and Melk is one of them. Point number seven is to cruise the Donau. And I don't know if you want to do a multi-day cruise, but you definitely want to get out on the water. You might want to explain what the Donau is. Well, the Donau is uh, the major river that flows through it. You might know it as the Danube, from Blue Danube. Yeah. I, I never use that word, I suppose, because we only really talked about it when we were in Germany and Austria. And so I always think of it as the Donau. And when I have to call it the Danube, I'm like, that's right. It's actually, in English, we should call it the Danube. But yeah, the Donau, the Danube, whatever. So when we're in St. Martin and we had those mushrooms, we had that delicious local beer, uh, on that same hike, we actually went and did what I call a micro-cruise on, <laughs> on the Donau. We were hiking around. We, we picked up some bikes from somewhere. I can't even remember where. Someone's house picked up some bikes, and we were doing a bit of biking around the place. We got to the, the end of the path. I'm like, what are we going to do now? I mean, we've got to the end of this trail. And the people we were with were like, oh, it's cool, the, the ferry will come soon. And we ended up loading our bikes and ourselves onto this little ferry and just cruising up the river for 20, 25 minutes to get back up to the top of the trailhead. It was, it was really awesome. awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Now, you don't have to do it quite so micro. You can also go on all sorts of different river cruises or use a ferry, but get out on the water. It's really worthwhile. 
Jumping to the other side of the country, the last city that we're going to speak about today is Salzburg. And Salzburg, once again, is an example of beautiful architecture and uh, amazing riches that flew through that area for such a long time. The last time we were in Salzburg, we had an amazing time. We were staying with some local people through couch surfing, and they took us to a couple of beer gardens. So we really got to get involved in the local life of Salzburg. And the people we were staying with were really interested in football, and they were supporters of the local football team, and Craig went with them to watch a game. And they were all wearing their lederhosen, which I found really interesting, because when we were in Austria several years previously, you didn't really ever see people in lederhosen, unless they happened to be yodeling in a small town. Yeah, well, that that, that happened once or twice. Yeah. Uh, the other reason people would wear it for things like weddings, funerals, christenings, people... It, you but know, it wasn't it's, so it's, common then. It's fancy dress. Yeah, but it wasn't so common then. And then when we came back four or five years later, people were wearing it just ordinarily. Like all of the guys that Craig went to the football game with were wearing lederhosen. And on a, on special days, you often saw girls dressed up in their dirndls. And I thought that was really cool that it was a, a new renaissance of kind of Austrian culture and Austrian history being merged together in, in a modern way. I think most English speakers know about Salzburg as the home of the sound of music. It's where it was filmed, where it was set. But most German speakers have no idea what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> so if you go to Salzburg and go on one of the, the couple of sound of music tours or go and do any of those experiences, you're really going to be by yourself and with a bunch of other foreigners. That's not to say it won't be fun, just to say that it's got nothing to do with the life of the city itself. It's like that in a couple of cities around the world. What everyone knows about that city isn't what the city knows about itself. Yeah. And I just, I love that discrepancy. I think if you grew up with The Sound of Music, then it's definitely worth going to Salzburg to see some of the main locations of the movie. And the uh, the local hostel, the I think it's the YHA hostel, shows the movie every night at 8pm. And when we were there, the first time we were in Salzburg, we watched it and it was really fun. I mean, it was cheesy. And the next day we wandered around and had a look at all the locations. You can also do tours, like Craig said. But I think it's important to get away from just the sound of music because there's so much to do. Uh, Mozart has two houses there. There are mines that you can visit, salt mines, for which the city is named. There's all sorts of things you can do. Yeah, going out to the salt mines is highly, highly recommended. It's a couple of hours north, uh, up past the Koenigsee. And the Koenigsee is another nice place to, to go and cruise on the lake and go and get lunch at one of the little bars around there. Yeah, so you can you can turn that just into a day trip straight out of Salzburg. Go up, see the Koenigsee, and go into one of the salt mines. We had a great experience up there. I'd recommend you get the Salzburg card, which is one of these city cards, city passes, that allows you access to a lot of different things, including public transport. We got one of those and we found it really useful. Yeah, Salzburg's a city that you can really get museumed out on because mm -hmm. there's just so many uh, kind of cultural centers and museums and galleries, famous opera, famous theaters. You can really hit the wall. So if you are a culture vulture and you want to see everything, give yourself more time than you think you need. Every time we go, we go for like three or four days and then we get to the end of it and we're like, either we're exhausted or we've only seen a quarter of what we wanted to see. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move on to point number nine, which is going back to eating again because, you know. Because eating. Because eating. Yeah. Number nine, eat Wiener schnitzel, preferably in Wien or Vienna, as it's also known. Yeah, this food is world famous and has probably made its way into your kitchen at some time or another. But a lot of people, English speakers, don't realize that 
Wiener Schnitzel is actually Wiener Schnitzel, which is actually Vienna Schnitzel. Who would have guessed? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, there we go. And when I was a kid, we cut up our schnitzel into small pieces to make it easier to fry. But in Vienna and Austria, you'll get these enormous pieces of schnitzel. It's usually pork, but you can also get chicken or beef. What they often do is they pile the plate high with chips or potato salad and then stick the schnitzel over the top. And many a time we have had schnitzels that have hung over the side of the plate because it was so enormous. Makes it a bit difficult to eat, but definitely good value for money. Oh my goodness. Make sure you are hungry before you order one, but oh, so, so good. I'm, I'm very much a fan of the, the pork and potatoes style of eating that you get in Austria mm. and uh, Bavaria, middle Germany as well. Vienna's got it down to a fine, fine art. Yeah. Well, whatever you order, wash it down with one of the great local beers or Austria's national soft drink, Almdudler. So we mentioned the Almhouses before and Almi being mountain, mountain hut. They have a drink that's like mountain soft drink. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a true translation. <laughs> great explanation there, Craig. Yeah, it's really tasty. I mean, we're not the biggest fans of soft drinks because of all the sugar in them, but definitely worth trying. Finally, you have to time this one. So this is why it's last, is going to a Christmas market. Christmas markets in Austria have just as much pageantry as the ones in the Czech Republic and the ones in Germany. Well, well worth it. The Vienna Christmas markets are fantastic. What's great about the Vienna Christmas markets is it's not just one. They're dotted all over the city. So you can go to one one night, another one another night, and it's awesome. Yeah, you can kind of bar crawl the Christmas markets, which was really why I like to go. <laughs> because one of the standouts of the Christmas markets are their hot alcoholic drinks. The Glückwein was, you know, the most famous, the, the spiced mulled wine, but also the Jägerte mm -hmm. or the Hunter's Tea. And that was, God knows what they put in that, but it was strong <laughs> it stuff. Sure was. And if you're not into alcohol, you can also get hot chocolate, which is also delicious. When we were in Colombia a couple of months ago, walking through this market, it was nighttime, so it was all closed up, but it really reminded me of the Christmas markets. And I was thinking, oh gosh, if it was open, that one would be selling clothes and that one would be selling like Christmas biscuits and that one would be selling hot mulled wine. And I was feeling very sad because I really wanted a hot mulled wine at that point, And, you know, obviously there weren't any available. But when we got to our destination, this restaurant called Crepes and Waffles, on the menu was mulled wine. I couldn't believe it. So, of course, I ordered it, and it just took me right back to all of the Christmas markets we'd been to in Vienna, and it was awesome. Linda also force-fed mulled wine to our Colombian friends, who are all very nonplussed. <laughs> <laughs> they were happy to try it. They found it interesting, but they couldn't believe it was on the menu either. They'd never seen it there before. You know, They'd been to this restaurant hundreds of times. It's one of those things that you just don't notice if you're not looking for it, perhaps. So I hope that you've enjoyed hearing about Austria. It's not the most popular destination in Europe, but it's really found a place in our hearts. It's one of our favorites, and there's just so much to do there. Definitely. So we're still here in Panama for another 10 weeks. We realized we started planning our on onward travel, and I've been looking in books and online and trying to work out exactly where we're going to go next, because we've got our flights from LA back to Melbourne, but we're not quite sure how to get to LA, so that's the hard part. I'm hoping to travel overland from here up to Belize and then maybe fly up to the States from there. But we really have to look into it a bit more closely. Yeah, yeah. We're at the very big picture planning stage. So if you have any recommendations for Central America, we're going to be heading north from here for sure and looking for a couple of cool places to stop for a couple of days along the way. I get the feeling we're really going to be running the way. We sure are. I mean, we just we want to go through, but it's quite a long way. I think it's going to be, you know, 
many days mostly just on the buses. But I want to see these places. I want to stop and just get an idea of them, and then hopefully we can come back in a couple of years. Nice, nice. And we'll be in LA for a couple of days before we fly out. Already heard from a couple of people up there that would like to see us. So maybe we'll put together something like a listener meet up in a bar somewhere. Sounds good. Uh, something like that. So yeah, that will be cool. All right. Well, that's us for this week. Until next time, travel well.